Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations. On Sunday, March 19th, our very own Rod Francie not only talked about prayer conditioning, but reminded us that the just shall live by faith. was some pretty awesome worship we had there. Amen. Yeah, let's give the worship team a little hand clap. I better have something good after that. That's all I can say. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. Praise the Lord. Anyway, it's always an incredible um, honor to be here at the Gathering Place and to speak. It's one of the easiest places to uh, speak or preach because, you know, uh, uh, we have a it's, it's been prayer conditioned, right? You know, in the summer you have air conditioning and it changes the temperature of your air. Here we have intercessors and it, they're like our prayer conditioner, you know. It conditions and massages the atmosphere and makes it open for, for miracles and revelations and wonderful things to happen. So God bless all the intercessors. Uh, God bless Pastor John and Sister Victoria. I'll definitely be praying for him this week as he's on his uh, mission. Anyway, uh, how many are enjoying daylight savings time? How many, how many here like the, the daylight savings time? Like, uh, do you like it or would you rather have it? If you like it, put your hand up. Okay, some of us, how would you like it just abolished it altogether? That's, that's me. And I'd like to have more light later in the day, not in the morning. I don't want to sleep. I don't care if it's dark in the morning. I want to have light so you, know, that you don't have to stop your golf game that early. You know what I mean? There's my motive. There's my motive. <laughs> well, how many are glad that one day we're not going to have to worry about daylight savings time? Amen? That in the new Jerusalem, the glory of God is going to be the light. And it says that we won't need the moon, we won't need the sun, and Jesus will be the light in that place. There will be no darkness, no shadow of turning. It's just going to be light and glorious all the time. So we won't have to be worrying about our clocks and all that kind of stuff. How many can say amen to that? Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, one of the challenges, of course, uh, of, of being asked to speak is uh, the Bible's a big book, right? It's a large book. There's actually 66 books in that Bible. And, uh, you, you know, I really want to hear what the Lord has on his heart. And uh, as I read the word during the week, I want to be prepared. But like everything I read seems to be a message, whether it's from Psalms or Proverbs or no matter where I turn, there's a message, right? It can be challenging. But anyway, I do pray that... Um, I have something that would encourage and bless us all today. Um, you know, the Bible says uh, to eat the scroll, right? That's this book. You know, there's two places, Ezekiel and Revelations, it talks about eating the scroll. We're not just supposed to hear it or, or, you know, it's okay if you put a Facebook post up or you put, you know, a footprints in the sand on your wall with a little picture of a sunset. That's nice. But God's called us to eat the scroll, we're to eat it. We're supposed to ingest it. It has to become part of us. It has to become part of who we are and what we do, our actions, our thoughts, our words, our deeds. We have to be doers of the word. We have to be living epistles, and that's something I think we're all working at. I'm working at that, but that's what we want to do today. Let's eat the scroll. Let's get something from God's word today that changes us and encourages us and gets us closer to him. 
Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we just want to thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the incredible worship. We thank you for the miracles you've done, Lord, that we can stand in this place, that we can gather in your name. We thank you, Father. Uh, Lord, you said where two or more are gathered, there you are. And Jesus, I know you're in this room. Jesus, I know you were there during worship. And I know you're here now, and I know that you honor your word. And I know, Lord God, that you are in the habit of changing our hearts, changing and renewing our minds, God, and strengthening us. So I just ask for anointing today, Lord, that we would just uh, have receptive hearts to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord God, what your Spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the title of my message today is called, The Evidence of Things Not Seen. The Evidence of Things Not Seen. Now, I know I'm not the first person to preach a, me a message with that title, and I won't be the last. There's books on the topic, and there's people that are a lot more qualified to preach on the topic of faith than I am. I'm not going to do this a lot of justice, but I'm going to add my little part, if that's okay. Because we all see a little bit, we all have a little bit to share, and when we come together, that's when we get stronger. We all share our parts. So... This is a vast topic. It's huge, and I'm just going to try and focus in with the time I have to hit a few points on it. Um, of course, that scripture is from Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to read the scripture. It might be up on the screen. There it is. Uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Today we're talking about faith. If we are in Christ today, if, if we're in Christ, for everyone in this room who is in Jesus, is saved, born again, heaven bound, blood bought, spirit filled, everyone who's in this room like in that, how did your journey start? How did your journey start? You can shout it out, but you don't have to because I have the answer already. Faith, I think I heard it over there, faith. It all started with faith. It started in faith, and it continues in faith. It's sustained by faith, but it began by simply believing. We may have come to uh, the Lord so many different ways through miracles. Some of us had tragedies that brought us to the Lord. Some of us just had amazing revelations and miracles. But the one thing we have in common, that the only way to come to Christ and be a citizen of heaven is through faith. And does anyone have a scripture to back that up? You don't have to. I might ask a couple questions today. Maybe one scripture. Something in the Bible that tells us that what I'm saying is not a lie. That it's only by faith we come to Christ and we're saved. I'm going to read one here. Oh, you have one. Go ahead. Come on, let's give her a hand. That's an amazing scripture. Praise the Lord. That's a great scripture. I love that. Hey, have you been reading my notes? Oh, my goodness. That's a great one. There's another one in Ephesians I'm going to read. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You know, faith is the doorway to grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's, it's, we're saved by his grace, but we can't partake of the grace until we believe. Once we believe, then we have access to the grace, and then we become saved. We become born again. Acts 16.31 is a favorite of mine, and I might do a few scriptures today. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that have faith in him. Believe and you will be saved. It's that simple. And I love that other part. I'm not going to leave it out. You and your household. 
Don't ever let go of that other part, you and your household. I don't care what it looks like in your home, how many unsaved relatives you have, your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt. Don't look in the natural. Claim that scripture every day because God is at work. It's not by what we see. It's the unseen. We pray, we believe, we declare, and God's word. I remember kneeling down. My dad was in palliative care, and I just didn't feel he was ready. I didn't feel he was ready, and I prayed, and I said, God, you said in your word, believe upon you, and me and my household shall be saved. It is unacceptable for my father not to be in heaven when I get there. And I claimed that scripture, and God did a wonderful, powerful miracle. And I just know that he's in heaven. I know he's in heaven. I don't have time for the full story. And then there's one we all know. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, has faith in him, shall not perish but be saved. We all started the same way. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He began it with him, it's a sustained, and when we see him, we meet him face to face, it'll be a faith journey. And we'll be rewarded by the things we did in faith. We'll be rewarded by the things we did believing in his word, believing in the things he's promised us. That's what we'll be rewarded for. So how do we believe? Well, first we have to hear, right? You didn't come to know about Jesus until you heard about him. You may have heard about him in church when you were a little kid or wherever. You may saw him on TV, but you read about him. Somebody shared something to you about him. You heard about Jesus. You heard the message of, of being forgiven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're convicted. We have faith by hearing. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? We have to hear. And how shall they hear without a preacher? God has chosen preaching and sharing and teaching and opening our mouths and talking about the things of God to bring people to belief, to bring people to faith, to bring people to Christ. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this message is for everybody. Somebody might say, well, I kind of know this stuff, but I'm telling you, this is something we never, ever grow out of. This, we don't graduate from the message of faith. If you're in, in Christ today, you're believing for something. You're believing for uh, something at work. You're believing for something for your children. Maybe in your own life. Maybe there's a habit you want broken. It could be so many things. But if you have a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus, there's something you're believing for. There's something that you don't have, something you don't see. Because that's what faith is. It's believing the things we haven't seen yet. It can't be faith unless we don't have it. Only the things we don't have yet can be faith. Some people are struggling with fear these days. There's so much anxiety out there. So many young people checking themselves in the hospitals with crazy anxiety problems. I don't remember seeing that when I was young, but it seems to be an epidemic now. And what don't they have? They don't have peace. Even many in the body of Christ are struggling with uh, fear problems or anger problems or all sorts of stuff, myself included. There's things that we don't have. We want is peace. We want his security. We want financial breakthrough. If we're looking for something we don't have yet that we want, and that's an opportunity because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen yet. So if there's something you don't have in your life as a Christian and you want it and you know you need it, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to see God's hand move in your life. So God has called us to live by faith every single day. 
Every morning we're to live by faith. First thing in the morning, good morning, God. Hello, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thanks for I woke up this morning. We, we, we start with faith. Uh, we have faith all the time. It's for every day of our life. And uh, Martin Luther, how many ever heard of Martin Luther? The, I think he was a priest or something in the 1500s. You might have heard of him. I believe he did something significant. He, uh, he wrote a thesis and he nailed it on the door of the Catholic Church, which wasn't a very popular thing for him to do with some of the people in the Catholic Church. They weren't pleased with what he did. But one of the scriptures that got him to challenge the doctrine that was wrong in the Catholic Church was a scripture, and it was the scripture, the just shall live by faith. That we're called to live by faith. Not just say a prayer at an altar and then go out the rest of our lives and live like everybody else, do what everyone else, watch the movies everyone watches. We go through trials and troubles, we moan, we groan, we gossip, we complain. We're not called to do that. That's not for the believer. That's not for the born-again believer. The just shall live by faith. When we have challenges and things happen in our life, we have to immediately apply faith to that challenge, that specific challenge in our life. It's not okay to just keep having some problem and ignoring it and making excuses. We say, because I'm going to, that's scripture, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many here want to please God? I got my hand up then we have to have faith in every circumstance, in every situation, for our family, for our life, for everything that we do. So that scripture, that's Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please God. Did you know that faith, I'm not going to say that yet. What I'm going to say is, I will say it. Faith is, you've probably heard this before, but faith is the currency of heaven. It's the currency, it's, it's like the dollar value in heaven. If you were to go to the States tomorrow with a big uh, whack of Canadian money and you wanted to buy something or go out for a thing and you say, here's, pay, try paying with Canadian over there. They're going to say, what the heck is this funny money? What is this, monopoly money? I want the green bills. That's the currency we use in our nation. And it's the same going to Africa. You go to Africa and you try to take American money there. Well, it might work, so let's not use that one. Some other currency. Uh, a yen. How's it about a yen? You try and use yen. They're going to say, what, what is this? No, get out of my restaurant. Or you can't buy that car because it's not a recognized currency. The only currency that is recognized in heaven is faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. It's the one that God moves by. He doesn't have to move by our whining, our groaning, our complaining. And yes, he loves us very, very much. He loves us more than we could ever describe in a thousand thousand million years we'll never be able to describe the amazing unsearchable riches of God's love for each one of us but even that oh you love me so you have to do it God no he doesn't no he doesn't it's faith it's impossible to please him except by faith I was in a church a few years back and a lady got up and shared a powerful testimony she had been healed I think it was cancer and she shared the whole testimony of how miraculous it was and she, uh, she was up there, and she was uh, talking about how the doctors uh, couldn't understand what happened, you know? Like, she went in for a test. Like, we can't believe this. You're totally healed. We don't know what happened. And she said, well, you know, Jesus did it. She gave glory to God. But when she gave her testimony, that part was all great. And at the end, she said something that was a little off. I'm just going to say it. She said, Jesus healed me because he loved me. And I get that. I do. I understand that. I'm not putting her down. But he didn't heal her because he loved her. 
He made a way for her to be healed because he loved her, and he loves you, and he loves me. But he healed her because somebody was using faith. That's what he recognized in heaven. Because if God healed everyone he loved, nobody on planet Earth would be sick. Because he loves everybody. Nobody would be sick. Nobody would have uh, any problems whatsoever because his love would just heal us and we'd all be perfect and we'd just never have any issues. It's faith that healed her. What did Jesus say to people when he healed them? Remember, you know, he'd heal some lady or heal some man. He'd say, your faith has made you whole. It was their faith. It's not how sincere we are. It's not how many wonderful works we do. Maybe we're out there doing all sorts of great things for God. That's wonderful. Keep doing them. But it is by our simple childlike faith in the word of the living God that is going to get results in my life, in our lives. We have to believe. But it's not easy to believe. I'm going to go back to my, my text just momentarily here, if I could. It's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I know this point has been made before, but I'm going to make it again, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is now. We only live now. We're not in tomorrow yet, and yesterday's gone. We only live our life in the here and now, just a moment. This is when we have it, only now. So faith can only be now. You can't, your faith isn't for tomorrow. It can be sort of in one way for tomorrow, but you have to exercise it in the here and now. Even if you exercise tomorrow, it's going to be now tomorrow for you. God is the now God. If you have an issue or something you're believing for in your life, in your finances, your relationships, your workplace, you want to reach more souls, your ministry, whatever it is, now is the time. Now is the time to believe God. Now is the time to get a hold of a scripture and say, God, you said this, and I don't see it right now, and I don't have that right now, but you said it. You said it. I believe it. And that's the currency. Cha-ching. He, he recognizes that. The Bible says... That if we ask anything according to his word, his promises, our petitions are before him. Anything according to his word, our petitions are up there. He hears those prayers according to his word. He put them in there for us to use, to pray, to bring back to his remembrance. So God is the now God. He is the I am, not the I will be. He's the I am God. Now I will do it. Now I want to move. Now I want to help you. Now I want to get things rolling. Now, that doesn't mean you'll have the answer that moment. Maybe you will, because faith and patience work together. So you don't always have it right away, but you've got to hold fast to your confession of faith, which has great recompense, for we have need of patience to inherit the promise, the Bible says. So we have faith now, and then tomorrow, oh, it didn't happen. Darn, so we're back to complaining again. We're back to being mad again. We're back to whatever that other thing we were doing, right? Because if you don't have faith, we're going to have something else. If you don't have faith, it's like a vacuum. If you don't believe in God's word, you're going to believe in something else. Amen? That's how it works. You can't have both. You're either going to, we're going to believe in God's word that's true and unchangeable, immutable. It's going to work. Or we're going to believe something else that the devil tells us, that our circumstance tells us, that our friends tell us. We have to have patience. But now we have to have it. Now. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, this scripture used to really bother me because I thought, substance? What? Faith is substance of things hoped for, believed for. One definition of the word substance is physical material from which something is made. The physical material from which something is made. This microphone, handy prop. This is made of, you know, wires, metal, plastic. 
uh, all sorts of stuff, foams in there, all kinds of interesting things. That is the substance of what the microphone is made of. My body, your body is made up of ligaments, veins, blood, bones, all sorts of interesting things in our body, a spirit, a mind. That is the substance of who you are. Faith is the substance of the things we're believing for. It has substance. It is the evidence of things that we have not seen yet. When I think of the word evidence, and I need to go quickly here, I think of a courtroom, and there's a judge, and he's sitting there. You know that would be a very hard job. You ever thought it would be like to be a judge and sit there in a courtroom? And you get these people to come into your courtroom, and Frank comes in, and he's the plaintiff, and Ernie is the defendant, and Frank says, you know, Ernie stole my car and went in my house and took a bunch of stuff, and it, that's what he did, and he's got his lawyer there, and then Ernie's saying, I did not, I'm gonna defend myself. I don't know Frank or Ernie. I don't know which one's telling the truth. Maybe Ernie's lying. I don't know. Maybe Frank's lying. And I'm not supposed to look at the way they look and go, well, he looks like a liar, so I think I'll... You can't do that. You have to be completely unbiased. So it's all supposed to be based on evidence. So they have to bring forth proof of what's going on. So Frank says, you know what? I didn't steal his car because I was in California. I was with my family. He brings in testimony, signed affidavits, pictures of him there. He brings in all the evidence. I say, bring it towards the bench. I look at it. I go, that's pretty compelling evidence. What can you say? And all Ernie says is, no, he's lying. He's lying. And I'll say, no, he's not lying. He's got the evidence. You know, Kate's dismissed, and then he can countersue, you know, get some money later. But the point is, evidence is something you can see. It's something you can look at. Sometimes it's something you can hold or feel. So the evidence, faith is the evidence of things not seen. So true faith, true biblical faith has evidence. It has evidence, not because I said, but because God, God says it has evidence. So what is the evidence? What does someone in faith look like? What does it look like we're, when we're in faith? When we're in faith, I think Louise is worried. No, I got it, Louise, don't worry. She's about to come up, eh? Thank God. Thank God for Louise, eh? What a blessing. What a help me. She's going to come help me. Aw. I am blessed. See? That's the answer to one of my prayers. Amen? I had to stand for a long time. Praise the Lord. It was worth it. It was worth it. Praise the Lord. So what does faith look like? Let's say Peter and, well, that's a biblical name. Let's try Harry and... Tony. Harry and Tony. They're twin brothers. They go to the same church. They both love Jesus. They both proclaim faith in Christ. They go back and they're, for all we know, they're great Christians. They both work at the same factory. Suddenly the factory shuts down, it closes down, and it's pretty economically hard. Now, if Harry is believing God. He says, I don't care because God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I know God is going to take care of me. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. So there's Harry. And here's Tony saying, oh my goodness, why did this happen to me? I've served God. I've done wonderful things all my life. I read the Bible, and this is what happens to me. I'm going to be in the poorhouse. I'm not going to pay my mortgage. Oh my goodness, my kids, what am I going to do? They need enrollment money for hockey and all this stuff, right? We have sympathy for Ernie? Tony. We have sympathy for Tony. 
We have sympathy. We're not going to judge him. But easy question. Who's in faith? Harry. Harry's in faith. What is the evidence of his faith? His speaking, right? What he says, the words of his mouth are evidence that he is believing in God, that he is believing for things he doesn't have yet. That is the substance of true biblical faith. It has to work into our words. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the evidence of true Bible faith is speaking. And I don't have a lot of time, and sorry to have to mention that, but I'm going to. So anyway, it's speaking. We have to let the word get in us so deep and make it the only option for our life. When we get into a situation that looks impossible, that looks hard, and all the things and circumstances are screaming opposite of what we're believing for, if we've got something that's in line with God's word and God's will, we have to hang on to it. We have to confess it, not like a parrot. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever, I'm not trying to put anyone down, but I've been in a couple of churches where it's like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, blessed and favored, blessed and favored, rock, rock, blessed and favored. I'm highly blessed and favored, blessed and favored. You know, then I say, oh, yeah, okay, that's good. Amen, amen. Then I go, next person, I go, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Frank? Oh, highly blessed and favored, highly blessed and favored, rock, rock, highly blessed and favored. Highly, okay, I just, what about me? Don't you want to know how I'm doing? Like, you know, say hello, good morning, whatever. Praise God. So, it's not like it's just, we're like a slot machine. Get a hold of God's word, name it and claim it. Just keep repeating scriptures over and over again. Like Jesus warned against it. He said, don't be like the Pharisees who say a lot of words, vain repetition. They go on and on without even thinking about it. This is a, a heart belief. We've decided deep down inside where no one can see that God's word is the only way this is going to turn around in my life. And then once we've really had that conception in our heart, it automatically comes out. And we begin speaking. I'm believing for you for this, Lord. I'm believing you for this. Now the question is, and might be asked by especially younger believers, is what, what can we believe for? Like, what can we believe for? You've all heard of the Word of Faith movement. And I'm not here to bash the Word of Faith movement. There's a lot of good stuff in some of those ministries, a lot. But sometimes there's a little bit of overbalance where, you know, it almost gets a bit new agey because you're saying, whatever you want, just start saying it, you're going to have it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to be a billionaire. I'm going to be a billionaire. And everyone you talk to, oh, I'll be a billionaire by that time. I'm going to be a billionaire. You're talking about billionaires, right? I'm going to have a mansion. I'm going to have all these things. Well, God doesn't promise us to be a billionaire. He doesn't say anywhere in the word of God that you are going to be a billionaire. If he wants you to be a billionaire, he'll make it clear to you. He'll make it clear to me. If God wants something for us, he'll show it. But we can't go around and just manipulate heaven and God and just what I want. The Bible says sometimes we don't have because we ask amiss, that we would spend it on our own lusts. We can ask for things, and it's not in the will or the word of God, even the timing of God. Sometimes you say, you know, you could be a young Christian and say, I want a wife. I really Nothing wrong with that desire. Nothing wrong with desiring a wife or someone wants a husband or whatever. But maybe God's plan is to have it a little later. You know what I mean? Or maybe someone's taught you, you got to have a checklist. Okay, I want this color hair, this tall, 
this economic status, from this background, they like this sport, you know, they like this drink, and this is their favorite food, and they got this massive list, and they say, that's what I'm believing for. I would crunch that list up and throw that thing right out. That's ridiculous. Maybe God will give you the desires of your heart in those areas. Maybe he won't, but don't let God, you know, I like Middle Eastern weddings, you know, Middle Eastern weddings. I like, they're arranged by the Father. I want my, my marriage arranged by the Father. You know what I mean? Not by what I want to do. Because you don't want to be with the wrong one, just saying. I've heard some stories, it's not a good thing. So you're better off being single and serving God than being with the wrong one and miserable. So hang on. But if God's promised you, hang on, but just always be open to what he's saying. For it says in 2 Corinthians, it says, for all of the promises of God are yes and amen under the glory of God for us. So all of God's promises are yes and amen. What should we believe for? What we should pray for? Everything that God said we are supposed to have in the Bible. Don't leave one thing out. Peace, joy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, patience, you know, that we would have food, clothing, shelter, all of the things that, that God has promised in the word of God. Claim them every day. It's not okay to live in fear. It's not okay. It's not. Yes, there's reasons we all have fears, and I have fears too. We have them, but we're not okay with them. We're saying, Lord, your word says perfect love casts out all fear. Your word says I shall serve you all my days without fear. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So I don't know where this fear came from, and I don't really care, but somehow, some way, it's got to go. I don't want to live my life in fear, because the problem is if we live with fear and anger and any other uh, issues we have, it's not only going to affect us, our body, our mind, our whole system. It's going to mess our system up. Everyone around us it will affect. You know? It will. I had a friend, he had an anger issue. Nice guy, really nice guy, but he had an anger issue. And I'm telling you something, I wasn't even saved at the time, but I, I remember saying to him, man, you've got to get a hold of this anger thing. It was destructive anger. And, you know, I got saved and we fell out of touch. But I know one thing, that his anger, if it's not dealt with, will affect his wife. He has three boys, and every one of his kids will be bruised and hurt, and their life will be changed in some way because of his anger. That's not to condemn him, that's just a fact. So if we have fear, we have anger, we have these things, it's going to transfer, it's going to go on other people. So we have a lot of good reasons not to live in fear. Plus, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit uh, of, of, of torment, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. A spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear is a spirit of bondage. God has not given a spirit of a bondage again to fear, but a spirit where we cry out, Abba, Father. He's given us a spirit of adoption because when we know our daddy is big and strong and powerful and awesome, we can be secure, you know? We can have security, and then the fear has to go. The love and goodness comes in, it pushes the fear right out, and we get healed. So what are we supposed to believe for? All of God's promises, and I'm going to go fast. What is ours? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. Everything we need for life and godliness, his divine power has given us. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 7, he said, ask, seek, and knock. There are so many encouragements in Scripture 
for us to approach God with boldness and ask and seek and knock. This message, I pray, is for each one of us when we leave this place, when we're at home, when we face things. Because each one of us face stuff. There's days when you feel good and all of a sudden one person, one phone call, one thought, one thing happens and suddenly your whole day goes like this and your mind starts spinning out of control. We feel insecure and we feel horrible about ourselves or our situation or life. It can happen that fast, right? But God is saying you don't have to live that way and I don't have to live that way. It's, it's what we do when those attacks come. So God encourages us over and over, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks will receive. And everyone who seeks uh, will find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's a powerful promise. Everything that God has for you in the will, in his will. But what is the substance of faith and evidence? What does faith look like? We talked about that. So it gets into our vocabulary. Let the weak say, I am. Let the poor say, I am. That's ridiculous. What are you, crazy? That doesn't make sense to me. What? You're not rich. You got problems, man. That's the enemy to faith, looking in the natural. One of the massive enemies we have to our faith is looking in the natural. It is contrary circumstances. Peter, walking on the water, he got a word from God. He said, can I come walk out? And Jesus said, yeah, come on out. Remember Jesus on the water there in the boat? Most of us know that story. If you haven't read it, it's awesome. But he got a word from God, so he stepped out of the boat, and he did something that I don't know if anyone else has ever done since. He, he walked on the water with Jesus. And everything was great as he stood on God's promises looking at Jesus, but then something happened. We all know what happened. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he put on the promise giver and the promise keeper. He took his eyes off that one and started looking at the waves and stuff. And all of a sudden, this is not possible. There's waves. I shouldn't be doing this. And what happened? He began to sink. And Jesus thankfully grabbed them. And you know what? When we step out in faith, and you know what? We have a few bumps along the way. Jesus isn't going to abandon us. He's going to grab you and pick you back up. He's going to help us out in our faith. Amen. He's such a good and gracious God. Imagine a little child who started, took his first steps and just tried something. And he just took his first steps and he got up and then he fell. And the father goes, oh, man, what happened? Why? What a horrible job you just did. How dare you do it? Until you get that right, I don't want to see it. A father's so happy. Oh, my goodness. Did you see that, honey? He took his first steps. Oh, my goodness. doesn't matter if they fall. God's happy when we try. God's happy when we go for it. Try something new according to his word. Abraham and Sarah. It says, Abraham, the father of faith, it says, did not look to the deadness of Sarah's womb, but glorified God in faith. He knew that he was past conception, the age of conception. Neither one of them in the natural realm should have ever had a baby. And the circumstance was screaming. He had a promise that you were going to be the father of many nations. God said, look at the stars. You're going to have descendants more than those stars in the sky. He had the most amazing promise to change the entire world. And here he was, 100 or ever old. He was 90s or something. And there's Sarah. And it, Every day, he knew how old he was. Every day, he knew he was past his prime, you know? But guess what? He said that he didn't look at that. He didn't look at the circumstance. He didn't look at the contrary things that were screaming at him. He gave faith and believed in God, and he glorified God. When we believe in God, contrary to circumstances and things, and trust him and his word, we glorify God. 
Without faith, it's possible to please God. We're pleasing God when we have faith. And it doesn't matter if you fall 20 times during the day. You just get right back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he shall not be utterly cast down. When you're trying something in faith, when I'm trying something, you may blow it a hundred times. Don't let the devil say, stop trying. Look at you. You're failing. What good are you? What kind of Christian are you? Just get, tell the devil to shut up in Jesus' name. You can start right there. Shut up, devil. Or hold thy peace, if you want to be more biblical. Hold thy peace, devil. In fact... Don't just hold your peace in the name of Jesus. Get out of my room, out of my life, out of my mind, out of my circumstances, my finances. Get away from my ministry. Get away from my family. Get away from now in Jesus' name. So we can start right there and rebuke him when he starts saying that we're a failure, that we're never going to amount to anything. Things are never going to change. Lies, 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 lies. The devil is such a liar. He's the father of lies. He doesn't know how to do anything else but lie. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says, after uh, we have all the Armageddon and all the crazy stuff happens, we have meteorites coming, fireballs coming from heaven, and scorpions with hair stinging people and all that. You know, when that's all done, you know what's going to happen? All the dust is going to be whisked away, and they're gonna, everyone's going to look at Satan himself, and they're going to marvel, and they're going to say, this is the man? Who did all that? This puny little pipsqueak did that to the nations? Oh, my goodness. You know what? He's a liar. Anytime you get a thought, I get a thought. We get a thought. Contrary to the will and word of God, don't believe it. you got to resist it. When you get a thought and all of a sudden you feel condemned, it's not God. God never condemns us. He convicts us. Conviction leads us to him. Condemnation pushes away. Anytime you believe or hear something that's pushing you from God, it's not from God. We can know the voice of God. So Abraham was our example. He gave glory. And every time we give glory to God, every time we believe for something, the whispers and the attacks of the enemy I just mentioned are real. We have a real devil, and I'm going to wrap this up very soon. There is a, a real enemy, an the only reason I believe in a real devil, a real Satan, real demons, not because I'm weird, because the Bible told me. This book not only told me about Jesus, God, heaven, it told me about the devil, it talked about demons, and it talked about hell. There's two mistakes that the, Christ, that the church makes or can make when it comes to talking about Satan and the devil. One mistake is don't ever talk about the devil. We don't want to glorify the devil. I don't want to talk about the devil. We don't want to give him glory. So that's one mistake, never talking about it. So everyone's ignorant. And then the other mistake is everything's the devil. You know? We've met people like that. Oh, the devil did this and the devil did Oh, you know, my car didn't work and, you know, I bent over and everything's the devil. The, the, the fridge light went out. The devil did it. You know, everything's the devil. There's a devil behind that rock. I feel it. I sense it. I sense that devil. Get out. You know? And someone's trying to give deliverance to a rock. You know? That's the other mistake people make. Everything's the devil. So there's balance. We need balance. Amen? The Bible talks about the enemy. Jesus talked about the enemy. And in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, Least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant. We need to know. Imagine going into war, and you don't, have, you don't want to know what your intelligence officer tells you what the enemy's doing. They're surrounding you. He's, telling, he's saying, yeah, the enemy's coming. They got some big weapons. You might want to pull back. And you're like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about the enemy. I don't want to. 
you're surrounded and you're dead. You know what I'm saying? So we need to have good balance, and we have a real devil. And I just want to say that in Jesus' name, he must go. He knows it. Do you know it? I hope so. If you don't know it, that's a good faith project for you. Lord, I need to know my authority in Christ. Now, you know, when you get to preach, you can always tell your good stories and make yourself look really good, right? You can leave out the bad stories. <laughs> that's the problem with preaching, right? I love David, King David. We, we see it all. We see all this good stuff, and we see his low points. So that's why we love David. He's honest and open. This is a good story. But I'll tell you what. I've been attacked by the enemy. I'm sure most of us have. There's been days, and there was one I was with Louise before we were married, and I, was, uh, I just told uh, the kids this the other day. We are at McDonald's, and out of the blue, I got hit with such depression. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just down. I felt black. Everything was horrible, nasty. I mean, and you felt it, and it was oppressive. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's the point? What the heck is the even point of all this? You know, and then I remember, I was, and Louise picked up on it. What's wrong? What's wrong? I don't know. I'm really down. I'm really depressed. And I was in, and there's the first window where you pay. And so while we're in the first window, I'm thinking, I know I'm supposed to rebuke the devil, but I don't feel like it. Last thing in the world I want to do is rebuke the devil right now. And a little, another voice said, you should do it. So anyway, I just simple, I said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you foul spirits of depression, in the name of Jesus, go now. You have to go. I command you in the authority of Jesus' name. You will not touch my mind. I will not speak to you. Your lies go where the Lord sends you now. In Jesus' name. And you know what? By the time we got to the next uh, drive through window, and just as we drove out, I was fine. Night and day. Night and day. It's, they're, they're real. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking about being possessed. I'm talking about being uh, oppressed. When you have those thoughts in those days, and you know what I tell people who don't like rebuking the devil? I say rebuke him anyway. If it's not the devil, what's, we didn't lose anything. It's not you paid money to do it. Just rebuke. And if it is, he'll go. And there are some times when it's more stubborn. You, you pray, and it's like a little bit more of a battle, but that's okay. You stand in faith. Well, I'm going to wrap this up very soon. We have a real, have I said that before? Hey, I'm a real preacher then. This is my fifth closing. I've made it. I've made it. <laughs> We know that we have a real enemy. Eve messed with him in the garden, and we saw what happened. Peter, with Jesus, said, Jesus, you will not go to the cross. And Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. That was a real devil. He rebuked him right there. Jesus in the desert. The enemy came to Jesus. We have a real devil. And I had more stories, but don't have time. Except I'm going to read this scripture and close. <laughs> uh, in Luke 10, 19, one of my favorite scriptures, and everyone should know this one by heart. Because God has given us authority, it says in Luke. Jesus said it, which I love even more. It's red letters, folks, red letters. He said, we've been given authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy's power, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you haven't memorized that, memorize it. That's God's promise. That is as good as God. Because if that's not true, then God's not true. Because God can't lie. There's one thing, there's a few things, but one thing God can't do, and he can't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. He has given us authority. It's our job to believe it and to exercise it. And watch what happens when we do. The enemy has to go. He has to go. Well, praise the Lord. I was going to summarize everything, but I don't have time. Can I summarize it? Okay, let's go quick here. To recap, we need faith to start and finish 
our faith every day. The just shall live by faith. Faith has substance and evidence. Our words, right? Our words. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. And we love not our life unto death. We overcome him, the devil, by the word of our testimony. He hates it. He hates it. We can have faith and confidence. God hears our prayers according to his word and his will. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Contrary circumstances and the lies of the devil challenge our faith. But like Abraham, like Jesus, and like everyone uh, in, in the uh, Hall of uh, Fame there, the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, like all of them, we have been given authority and power to overcome all of the challenges. Praise the Lord. And here's my secret weapon. I'm going to leave with the secret weapon here. Okay. Here's the secret weapon from Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, I'm not going to, it's not about the whole armor, though that's important. Take unto the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, stand. Never give up. I don't care how dark it looks, how hard it is, how bad it is, it doesn't matter. Never, ever give up. I don't care if you're in jail in some country and you're getting tortured, and I pray that doesn't happen. I don't say that lightly because that's a real thing. Never, by the grace of God, give up. We can't do it in our own strength. Peter denied Jesus three times because he said, I, though these people may deny you, I won't deny you. When we operate in our own strength, we're going to fail. But when we say, you know what, by his grace, I will not deny Jesus. By his grace, I will continue my walk with Christ. By my grace, I will, by his grace, I will address those things, those troublesome little bundles in my life that come up time and time again. So we never give up. And you know what? I borrowed the sign. Louise reminded me this morning, it's her sign. <laughs> That's my sign. And then I said, oh, it's your sign. Because every time I say something's mine, she goes, it's yours. She goes, oh, you just say it like it's yours. It's our sign. It's our sign. So we're never going to give up by his grace. Amen. Never, ever give up. Can you say amen? Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. If you believe it, if you know it to be true, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Why don't I just say a quick prayer, and I think you'll be doing the communion. Oh, we did it. Oh, my goodness. I get nervous when you preach something. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you so much. Holly, why don't we just bow our heads, and if you're in agreement with me, just uh, agree in your heart with this prayer as I pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, your promises, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, Lord. From the book of Genesis all the way through the 66 books to the book of Revelations, all of your promises, you said are yes and amen. So be it for us. Lord, I thank you. We are called to be believers. We are called to be those who believe and call those things that are not as though they were when it lines up with your word and with your will. Lord, this will be challenged in each one of our lives, daily, weekly, monthly. But Lord, we want to go deeper in your word, deeper in faith, Lord God. We want to get to the place, Lord, where we're doing exploits and even works greater than you did, Jesus, because you said we would. So Lord, I just thank you, Father, for faith in small things, little teeny things that we deal with that just irk us. 
and we don't know why, and to bigger things, unquote, unquote. Lord, our life, our ministry, our destiny, Lord. Father, you told us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, to let our requests be made known to you, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray with your help, we would begin to stop making any excuses. When we're anxious, when we, our mouth gets going, as Sister Victoria said, when there's that temptation just to let, it, let the flesh fly and feel sorry for ourselves and have a pity party. Lord, we all have times when we do that, but Lord, I pray that would change, that we would mature and grow in that area and that we would zip it and begin to look to you, put our eyes on the promise keeper and the promiser and begin to believe in the things you've said. Lord, renew our minds, renew our hearts. Father, I ask for a blessing in the name of Jesus upon your word today. Father, I want to see us grow in small ways and big ways, even as I want to grow, Lord. So, Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory. Thank you for this wonderful house. Thank you for the wonderful worship. Thank you for the wonderful leadership. Thank you for the prayer. Thank you for people who serve behind the scenes and in front of us, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Don't forget to check us out in person or visit our social media pages for updates. We hope to see you in person soon.